We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to another episode of the College of Canton podcast. This is the perfect show for any and every college football and NFL fan. We do a little bit of both here. Uh, my name is Travis May, uh, and you can find me on Twitter at FF underscore Travis M. And my co-host, as always, is Stefan Laco. You can find him at Stefan Laco. That's Stefan L-A-K-O on Twitter. And if you're checking out the show for the first time, it is, you know, kicking off the football season. I, I know I do this all the time. I try to find new shows and try to figure out uh, which ones are full of crap and which ones are worth a listen. <laughs> and uh, this one, I mean, this is everything about, you know, the, the journey from beginning to end for prospects, from recruit to college football to NFL. We talk some, you know, team analysis and some fun betting stuff from time to time. But really, it's a, a fantasy football lens and an NFL prospect lens and some college football fun, uh, a little bit of a balance between all those things, but hope you guys enjoy the College to Kenton podcast today. But stay fun. Uh, let's just jump in because there's so many things to talk about. Because I like, uh, holy cow, like uh, it's NFL Week One, uh, and at this point, well, while we're recording, only one game is in the books, and everyone has decided that Gabe Davis is uh, the next coming uh, at the wide receiver position, and uh, you know Cam Akers is apparently gone forever. Uh, but we're not here to talk about a bunch of NFL stuff. We'll, we'll have more takeaways on that after we have more games to talk about. But we do have a ton of college football action to break down and really a ton of players to talk about and, and really talk talk through where they might go uh, for the rest of the season and uh, how we might see their stocks uh, continue to rise for NFL draft purposes or fall like they just started to uh, this week for some of these players. And I, you know, I was thinking about it to say, say if I'm not going to do, I don't want to do just a pure riser section and only faller section because – and then it just stays negative for far too long. So, well, let's just like, let's just drop in, you know, some good news, some bad news for some of these guys as we go. Uh, but I, I know uh, <laughs> you uh, like, given how you described him on the show sheet, I, th- I think you might like quarterback out of North Carolina, uh, true sophomore, Drake May. Is that right? I, I love him. And I won't, I won't say what I wrote down because we want to keep the uh, explicit label off the episode, but I love Drake May so much. He is someone who I was interested in last year. Obviously Sam Howell was still there. Um, 
but Drake, we, we all knew Drake may was, uh, the quarterback in waiting. And, uh, yeah. so I wasn't necessarily, uh, disappointed to see, uh, a shaky start from Gene Chizik and company on the Tar Heel defense. By the way, uh, I went off on a rant on the other podcast about Gene Chizik still having a job. Um, so <laughs> if anyone wants to listen to that, um, I just think coaches need it. I mean, like I, head coach needs to be more creative about who's bringing onto his staff is all I'm saying. But Drake may has been amazing. Um, and their defense sucking has helped a lot because, uh, well, we also have the benefit of him having played two games already. So we have a little bit more of a sample size from him, but it has just been absolutely incredible. Like he is leading the the country in just about every stat. Um, and uh, I'm here for it. I'm excited because I think it's an offense that will um, kind of uh, be built around his strengths, his talents. Like he can move, like he can run. He, he He's a very good athlete. He has a great arm. Um, and what experience, what excited me maybe the most about the the game last week uh, was that he was able to put up all those touchdowns against App State without Josh Downs. Uh, he was not reliant on one superstar receiver to make these incredible catches. No, a Pesor, uh, Blackwell, like th- th- these different guys are getting involved in the game, um, getting touchdowns. And these are not, I mean, some of them are pretty high recruits, but these are not like elite, elite guys. So he's able to do it with ordinary-ish talent. Um, I'm here for it, man. I was, I've been very, very excited so far. Um, it, it is pretty crazy because you just look at the overall stats, like, um, Bluetooth disconnected. He's Bluetooth just been crushing connected. it. Um, sorry, my Bluetooth is yelling at me. Um, <laughs> but, and I'm not sure why, but yeah, anyway, I love him. What, what are your thoughts? Where, where are you at with this guy? I mean, nine touchdown passes, rushing touchdowns, um, just after two games, like it's, it's been fun. Yeah, so Drake May, uh, I, you and I both liked Sam Howell, uh, and and we were kind of frustrated uh, given the talent they had in his uh, sophomore season, the drop off in talent that he had to deal with last year, and uh, you know really just had to carry the team by himself. And I still think we both, I, I still believe, uh, he's going to have some opportunity to prove that he is worth a starting job in the NFL at some point. But right now, Drake May is pretty much playing with the same level of talent that Sam Howe was last year and uh, already doing a lot more uh, and not having virtually any moments of inconsistency, uh, making almost no bad passes. It's just unreal. I think within two or three weeks from now, we're probably going to have Drake May as QB1 or so, uh, you know, in the QB1 conversation uh, for his class. You know, it's still going to be Still going to be uh, Caleb Williams, but uh, in his class, you know, because he is 2024 eligible, he's going to be in that conversation given the fact that he's got that six foot five size. He's got the 220 pounds. Like he, he looks a lot like early stage Justin Herbert. And that's uh, he's putting up a bunch of great numbers uh, immediately against the lower level competition, but we really need to see him do it against, uh, you know, top level teams uh, consistently here too. So, I will be keeping an eye on Drake May because if he keeps up this insane pace, you know, like 300 plus yards a game, adding some value with his legs and, you know, basically a perfect as a passer, um, <laughs> he's going to make 2024 really fun. So I, um, I will fun. be buying high. I'm going to put out a bunch of trade offers. Um, I, I yeah, probably yeah. should do it before the weekend. Um, yep. But like right, right after we get off the show. Yeah, go do that. Uh, because I want him in every league. Absolutely, one hundred percent exposure. Uh, so yeah, um, I, I kind of wanted to bounce uh, to 
I mean, you 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 mentioned Justin Herbert. Um, let's go talk about the Oregon quarterback a little bit. Uh, <laughs> Bo Bo Nix against. I mean, Georgia's a very very good team, um, but Bo Nix looked terrible. Wrong reads. I don't. I'm, I'm sure you saw the uh, the reaction from the. It was all over Twitter. Um, the mm-hmm. reaction from the offensive coordinator after Bo threw that second interception where he just like was like, what? No, Robert. Like you could see him freaking out during it. Um, and uh, just, I, I'm concerned. Yeah, I mean, this is Bo, I'm sure, was trying to just make the right call for him, giving himself one more chance at proving he is worth a, an NFL draft pick one day. But um, this clearly shows that he's nowhere near that and uh, really hasn't ever been because he – as much as he is very fun to watch, I mean, I was an Auburn fan. I am an Auburn fan. Saw a lot of Bo Nix play. But he's also just maddeningly inconsistent because he's all over the place. He doesn't always go with the script. I mean, you're you're playing a, a team like Georgia, and you're trying to go off script and just make things up as you go against a team that is much better than everything you have around you and much better than you are personally. There's no chance. Like, like when... When the five-star freshman Malachi Starks is better than all of your seasoned wide receivers, uh, you know one of them. Like you're in trouble. So Bo Nix, you know he's going to play better games, of course. But two point two adjusted yards per pass attempt, not a great look. <laughs> I, I don't have to plug his numbers into my pass efficiency model to know that he's like a, a first percentile, second percentile, you know, worst of all time kind of game in that category. Uh, so yeah, he his his NFL stock is. Now completely gone. Yeah, it's it's crazy to me. You, I mean, everyone who's been listening knows what I'm about to say, but it's crazy that Ty Thompson isn't getting a chance. <laughs> you know, like what does it say uh, about him too, man? Like, whew. it's just I don't want to believe not- that, Travis. I don't want to believe that. <laughs> we'll let you live on, live in denial and and get back to the player that's I've already received trade trade offers for everywhere that I have him. Uh, from everyone, and that is Anthony Richardson of Florida. Uh, he's somebody that I wrote about uh, at Rotoviz uh, this offseason, again, right before the season started. Uh, he looks pretty good. Um, I think through one week, you know, completing 70, 70% of his passes, you know, adding some crazy value on the ground. Uh, really just, you know, I just, you know, got on to Bo Nix for going out, outside of script. But man, when Richardson goes out outside of script, he's just a different kind of weapon. So, we already knew from high school that Richardson had first round capability. Like he had those kind of um, upside, that kind of upside in his cards. I mean, he ran like a four or five at 230 ish pounds when he was still in high school. He was a high four star kind of guy. Didn't put it all together last year. And there were definitely questions. I think we even talked about that last week. And the fact that he just needs to do it. Like we, we know the potentials there. Uh, he just needed to do it. There were all sorts of questions about him and Florida coming into last week. And, he basically answered them all by himself. So and, Anthony Richardson, coming into the year, I think I may have even said it in the, the article at Rotoviz, but he is the only uh, quarterback in the nation that has any shot of surpassing both CJ Stroud and Bryce Young in terms of actual real life uh, NFL draft capital for next spring. And uh, not to say that it, you know one game does that, but if he continues playing as good as he did against Utah, uh, that's certainly going to be a conversation. Yeah, and and I, I'm glad you brought up Utah. Like Kyle Whittingham has put together a very very good program, uh, a very consistently good program. I mean, Utah. We talked about this. Like they're my 
I took them to make it to the Pac-12 championship. And I'm not changing that bet based on this game uh, because they Utah's a good team. But, but Richardson was able to go out there um, and do something special on, during a primetime game as well against a Utah opponent that was favored on the road. It was a big-time performance, and uh, I think this might be the best game he has all year in a, in a performance, and that's what he needed to do because this is when the spotlight was on him. So I really do think that it was a big night for him. I mean, he had 100, over 100 yards rushing and three touchdowns on the ground. Like That, I think, was uh, some of the big difference. Um, like you said, going off script and being electric is uh, it was fun to watch, man. I, I miss, uh, unfortunately, I miss a lot of this game. So a lot of it was just highlights, but there were a mm. lot of highlights. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, keep an eye on both uh, Drake May and Anthony Richardson to be in the first round conversations. Like those are the the, the big obvious names to me. Like uh, a couple other guys I wrote up this this week for Rotoviz that were just surprisingly uh, super efficient, uh, like Stetson Bennett of Georgia. I mean, you're, you're gonna be, you're gonna have some pretty good stats if the final score is 49 to three against your Oregon Ducks. Uh, but like he just, and, and yes, his average depth of target was very low. He was. I was gonna bring that up. He was targeting, uh, you know, slot receivers like Lad McConkey. Uh, but even so, like his average depth of target was not like that last year. Like he, it was almost double of what it was this past Saturday. And so they just didn't have to do anything in terms of pushing things downfield because they were they were just scoring points and going down the field at will. And they knew that, hey, look, I have these giant human beings that no one can guard on the opposing defense. I'm going to tar- target them underneath. Hey, they get a bunch of attention. Now Lad McConkey's wide open. You're going to give him the ball because he's just running in space. Uh, there was just nothing that uh, you know Oregon could do. But Bennett, he's just an awesome distributor. And, you know, 360-something passing yards, you know, I think three touchdowns. Uh, again, putting up ridiculously efficient numbers. Last year, he had over a 90th percentile pass efficiency mark on the season. Uh, so, yes, his physical tools aren't there necessarily, uh, but he's going to get drafted. It's going to be funny. Like, I know some people are going to be just surprised when it happens, but he's going to get drafted somewhere. It's not going to be early, but uh, Bennett, Stetson Bennett has won a national title, and he's been an incredibly efficient passer. He's been a great distributor. You know, he, at worst, I feel like he's a Jake Fromm range kind of draft pick, which is boring, I guess, for fantasy football people. But hey, you know, it might actually get him some kind of opportunity. And uh, the other guy is Jordan Travis. He does have physical tools that Bennett doesn't have in terms of mobility. And he's also surprisingly efficient. Uh, his like his completion percentage wasn't great, but his average depth of target was more than double of Stetson Bennett. He was actually making shots downfield, even getting smoked right in the face and still connecting on on really deep shots opposite hash and stuff like that. He just, he already had an 85th percentile pass efficiency mark last year in his games where he was in. And uh, he's already looking like he's above that this year. So I'm really excited to see what uh, happens for Florida state fans because they actually have one in Jordan Travis. Yeah, I think you're right on. Um, And I think it's uh, just going back to Stetson Bennett for just half a second. I think it's interesting because he and Drake may, um, I think both benefit from the defenses that, are associated with them, but for the opposite reason, <laughs> you know, like sets and Bennett can have these short little dinky passes that, that are meaningful throughout a game. Um, 
because his defense is only giving up three points and Drake may gets to YOLO it all night because uh, he's got to keep them in a the game. That's because fine. He's um, giving up 40 points in one quarter. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, DTR was another guy that uh, looked amazing. Um, kind of a rough start against Bowling Green, but then once he got, got ticking, uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson, I thought looked really, looked really fun. I was a little bit, uh, I was wanting to hear you, you were talking about like some of the, um, kind of uh, projections for early draft capital uh, a guy that uh, was getting some buzz from the community and i don't def- definitely not from me um and i'm not sure from you but that's devin leary How, what do you think of his performance because i was i was a little bit disappointed um i i i, I mean he barely completed 50 percent of his passes um his uh yeah i actually don't know what his adot was but uh, i watched mo- almost all of this game and was just really disappointed uh, he also only ran the ball twice. Um, now he did have a touchdown call back because of a false start or something like that. Um, that was when they got stood up on the goal line. Um, four shots with your backup running back. Come on now. Uh, anyway, but yeah. why not let like if Devin Leary is the dude that we think he is, and I do think this is more of a coaching thing than a Devin Leary thing. So this is kind of a twofold question. Do you think Dorn and company over there in North Carolina State are going to dampen? Uh, what could be a really good quarterback when we won't get to see the uh, pr- production? Or do you think that Devin Leary might not have what people were hoping he had? And all this oh, after one game. <laughs> one game, but it is kind of unnerving that it came against East Carolina. And yes, it's kind of a, a rivalry game being within the state and they're really close to each other. And Eastern Carolina, not Eastern, East Carolina clearly wanted this game badly being at home. And uh, probably would have had it had it not been for their kicker. Uh, right. So I feel Twice. sorry for that. <laughs> yeah. But this was Devin Leary's worst game of his entire career. Like statistically, his only other maybe worst game uh, came against Clemson. Like, what was that, 2019? And he was a freshman and it was 2019 Clemson. So, yeah, you're not going to have a great game. So it was just really odd. Uh, you know, new offensive pieces. He loses both running backs. His wide receiver one from last year has some different targets that he's going to. Jordan Houston fumbles it on the goal line. His backup running back gets stuffed and stuffed and stuffed. And then, you know, they, they can't even get a half yard. So they really should have had at least one, if not two more touchdowns. I mean, like worst case scenario, if NC State wasn't just terrible at play calling, they should have had at least 10 more points out of that deal, those two trips there. So this shouldn't have really been a game. But even so, Leary just looked awful. Like he was, like according to my charting and the two uh, and the two charting services that I use that I won't name on the podcast, uh, they and mine all, all had his on-target percentage in between fifty-five and sixty percent, uh, which is awful. Like, <laughs> like he had a couple drops, whatever. Uh, there were some good plays defensively, but his on-target percentage was real bad. Like for the whole game. And um, so he's going to have to get a lot better really fast or any hope that we had based on his current analytical profile, uh, getting early draft capital, is going to disappear quickly. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I was concerned as well. Um, Mike, right. We don't get to talk about Vanderbilt very often. I, I didn't know you. I, I was like, I wonder if he'll even like bring this up. Just I, I, I put Mike right on the show sheet. Yeah. I wanted to talk about Vanderbilt because they've got some like Mike Wright, and then who's their other guy? There's two guys that are balling out for them right now, and Vanderbilt's played an extra game, so yeah. um, 
So, but and one of those games was against Hawaii. Um, and I forget who they played this weekend, but no one great. There's a reason I'm on. I, I they needed to start two and zero for my over team total to hit. But he's looked good. Is is this something that? And and he, I'm pretty sure he was a pretty decent recruit, one of the better recruits they've brought into to 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 almost a Tennessee, um, Bandy, <laughs> to Nashville. Yeah. Um, so so what do you think? I mean, this is a local, lo- your local team, season yeah. ticket holder I mean, over there. Oh yeah, season ticket holder man, and they Let's are not. <laughs> I love it, it so much. You to go to Vanderbilt games. Let's be real. But I mean, the, the competition was weak. Yes, they played Hawaii and Elon, the FCS team. Uh, but it is intriguing that you know Mike Wright did something that has never been done in Vanderbilt football history. Even when they get the cupcake games at the beginning of the, of the year, like he had, he he logged ten total touchdowns over the past two games. A quarterback hasn't even had nine total touchdowns across two games, a two game span since Jay Cutler in 2005 for Vanderbilt. So, and before that, I'm not sure it's ever happened again. I didn't want to go through all the the, the years of Vanderbilt football, but I, I went through the nineties even. I was like, man, there's nothing. There's just nothing. It's they're so bad. And so to see Mike Wright do something that really no Vanderbilt quarterback has done in terms of score as many touchdowns and be the dual threat that he is also adding like almost 250 rushing yards through two games. It's really, really fun for Vanderbilt who just really struggles to find any decent playmaker. So I, I don't think they're going to beat Wake Forest, uh, especially with Sam Hartman back, but Mike Wright could grow into like a, you know, Malik Cunningham situation, or if he continues to develop as a, as an efficient passer, you know, he, he moves up into, an even higher tier. So we'll see. I'm just keeping my eye on Mike Wright because of uh, his ridiculous stats that he's put up and his um, unbelievable dual threat ability, you know, just be able, to be able to score from wherever, whenever it seems so far. He's only 5,400 on DraftKings. Any part of you want a little piece of that action? Absolutely, I do. Yeah, man. Let's go. There's no way against no Wake Forest. I'm not going to have a little bit of Mike Wright in there. I love you know, it. Stack him up with Will Shepard and just call it a day, man. That's the guy, yeah. Shepard. Yeah. Nice. Uh, should we uh, should we take a quick break? Uh, how do you want to do this? Do you want to keep going? Let's do it. And then we'll jump into some running backs and wide receivers. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Stefan. So we talked about a bunch of the quarterbacks. And actually, you know, when we were on break there, I just I thought of one more name I definitely have to mention. Besides the obvious, like Spencer Rattler and DJ, you better hurry up and get good. Otherwise, yeah. there's no hope for their NFL future. Uh, but one more kind of falling guy that uh, I think a lot of people were excited about this offseason was Jackson Dart. Uh, you know, people oh, right. really hyped yeah. at USC. And this is our last quarterback. We'll jump over to running back and wide receiver. But man, what are your thoughts now? Because Altmaier is going to get some work now uh, and ha- have an opportunity to prove himself. Uh, Dart, I mean, like he was always confusing to me. Uh, so like, where are you with him? I was very excited. And it wasn't until a few weeks ago um, that I started being like, wait a second, what's going on um, at Ole Miss? And one of my buddies, uh, Derek, shout out to you, my man. He's a huge Ole Miss fan alum. And uh, we were just talking about it and like start talking about Luke more and more. Uh, so I, dra- I ended up drafting him in a couple <laughs> uh, C2C leagues because you didn't know what was going to happen. And I don't know if this is because he's really good or he's been there. Um, and so they want to let him have a shot because they can. Um, or if this is, is an actually a real competition, it kind of feels like it might be. Um, and, and it makes me a little bit nervous about Jackson Dart. Um, I don't know. I don't know what lanes up to. Maybe because they're quarterbacks, they do want them to run around a, a fair bit. And when we saw Matt Corral do that, Maybe they want to make sure that they're both ready to go, uh, both have some playing time because uh, Lane Kippen has his eyes on winning games and not just getting up stats. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, it's definitely one to watch. And, and you know, we, we all got excited because, well, one, going to Ole Miss, it, quarterbacks just put up numbers with Lane Kiffin in that system. That's true. So whoever's the starter, starter there was probably going to put up some good numbers. Uh, but really, we saw him come in after Slovis uh, went out early uh, in that, that uh, mid-September game last year against Washington State. And he put up like, because he threw the ball almost 50 times, he almost threw for 400 yards in his first game and added some value on the on the ground too. So everyone got excited. But then the, the truth is he actually didn't have any more good games after that. Like the rest of the season was not even good. And it's like we just kind of all forgot that, oh yeah, after that first game, Jackson Dart wasn't actually even a good quarterback. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, and it spoke, I mean, yes, Lincoln Riley's coming over and yes, he's probably going to favor Caleb Williams, but Jackson Dart just was like, nah, I don't even want to try. Like, <laughs> like yeah, right. I don't even want to try to compete with that. So it's just it, it, interesting how confident the community of nerds that uh, we are a part of that draft players while they're still in college uh, were in terms of Jackson Dart's future because he was going like I, I saw him go at the late second round of a uh, college to Canton uh, fantasy football draft this offseason and I was like wow that's incredibly irresponsible that's <laughs> <laughs> like, just uh, there's no yeah. way I was like that's the nicest word for it but yeah yeah so we'll, we'll see maybe he still goes off and maybe uh, you know Altmaier struggles and he immediately and I have to eat my words after this week. I hope that's the case because I really like, I mean, he's a fun player, but uh, there were just more questions than I think we were willing to handle, yeah. or willing to consider. 
uh, this offseason. But let's get back to some positive news because there were tons of really good performances at the running back position this past weekend. Um, and that really makes 2023 even more fun. But even some younger guys that uh, were stepping up could make a difference in 2024 and beyond for their respective classes also. So like, was there like the guy that you just thought, man, this is my guy this week. I just want to talk about him because, oh my goodness. Like, I feel like now he's definitely an <laughs> early round pick. No, I mean, yes, there is, but I didn't want to start there. I wanted to start with a guy that not many people are going to really be talking about because his team lost. Uh, he didn't put up gaudy numbers, uh, but we were talking about that Florida-Utah game and Tavion Thomas put together a really, really strong game. Uh, he had over 100 yards. He had a touchdown. Um, unfortunately, not involved in um, the receiving game at all. But I just thought it was a really strong performance. Um, and he, he, you know, he's coming off a, a huge season last year. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see if he can back that up at all. And, and he's just not a name that we've talked about a whole lot. So I wanted to shout him out now because I think uh, this would be a good time if, you're, if you are looking to build a, a running back core. Uh, he's good. He, he's the main guy there. Uh, I didn't know if Curry was going to take over some snaps or whatever, but uh, it looks like they're going to roll with him. I mean, he carried the ball 23 times. Uh, this is coming off of a 200 carry season last year. So, uh, yeah, I wanted to start with him. Really strong bowling ball of a, of a runner who can just flatten people. I mean, he is a, a, at, 220. Least, <laughs> at least that. I mean, he's probably thicker than that. They just don't want to list him as like 235 because that's probably what he actually is <laughs> but yeah but he's a, he's a big old dude man and so he's a lot of fun to watch but i mean he has four career receptions which is uh, uh alarming yeah i guess so uh for me to be really interested in a high-end nfl future gotta see more work in that regard otherwise it's you know a very back end of day three is a ceiling and realistically probably day three but I think he's going to get all the work, all of the work, and put up easily over 1,000 yards, if not closer to 1,200, 1,300 on a very good Utah team this year. So, yeah, he's going to be one of those guys that uh, we kind of, you know, he's got some warts on his profile. And because of that, he slips in all rookie drafts next year when he's drafted amid a, a really stacked running back class. Uh, but, yeah, I, I do like his talent as a runner especially. So he could be that, that guy that uh, is an annoying touchdown vulture. <laughs> at the next right. level, if nothing else. Uh, and the other guy that I was really excited to talk about uh, also profiles to likely not be a three down back, but probably more of a, a catch pet catch specialist, what am I catch a receiving specialist, a pass catcher. <laughs> yes. Uh, I was gonna say a catch passing specialist. And that didn't make any sense, but I'm talking about Deuce Vaughn. Uh, Vaughn is just such an incredible athlete. I mean, he averaged, I think like, seven yards uh, a carry last week um coming off an absolutely phenomenal season where he had like 49 receptions i think um so kansas state running back i'm excited for this guy i think he's so dynamic he plays a lot bigger than you know five six 123 um i mean i think he's listed as like 170 but um i know you like deuce vaughn the college player do you think he can be more than a specialist um in the NFL? I do. And I would maybe have had way more questions about that, um, you know, five, 10 years ago. But it's funny. I mean, the lazy comp, which is actually not very lazy because there's a bunch uh, in common, 
you know, same school, same stature, same kind of mm. skill set. Is Darren Sproles? Like, I think that's what everyone's going to say for the next uh, year uh, or more as he's in, enters the league. And they're like, oh yeah, they both went to Kansas State. They're both really tiny humans, and <laughs> and and, uh, and still found, found their way to the NFL. I don't think he's going to be even a, a day two pick or anything, but because of his just elite ability to crawl up and like curl up into a little ball and disappear behind the offensive line and then teleport into open space, 15 yards downfield. Uh, like that's, that's a lot of fun. I think some teams, some team in the NFL is going to go, wow, uh, we don't have one of those. Let's, let's get one of those and just give him a role, whether it's, you know, 15 touches a game or not, probably not that kind of role, but you know, give him an eight to 10 touch PPR kind of role and, and have him be the next, uh, you know, halfway between Darren Sproles and James White for someone. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the guy I'm probably most excited about, though, is uh, I was a big fanboy um, two years ago, like, well, at the beginning of last year, when he made the move, he transferred from Michigan to UCLA. And just because he's a freak athlete, <laughs> six, six one, two twenty, can just, I don't know what his 40 is, but I know it's fast. I know he's very, very, very fast. Um, but not only did he rush, and again, Bowling Green, um, but not only did he rush for uh, over 100 yards, he also had five receptions um, in week one. Uh, that's something that I'm very excited about. And, yeah, this offense with uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson and him and not, like, elite-level receivers, it could just be them doing a, a lot of fun stuff together. And I'm here for it, man. I, I was excited. Yeah, is that, I mean, you. well, if, if anybody's been listening to any podcast you're on for a while, they've known that you've had a bit of a crush on Zach Charbonnet for yeah. a, a while. And a I while. think it's, it's well-founded. Uh, I mean, he was coming out, out of high school. He was a huge deal. Uh, couldn't ever really find his footing in terms of owning the backfield for Michigan. And so he's like, I'm out of here, man. I'm going to go be a feature back. And he was exactly that uh, from day one for UCLA last year. Put up crazy numbers for UCLA that is 1300 plus yards from scrimmage 13 touchdowns last year taking the entire backfield to himself and this year he should essentially have the backfield to himself again uh Deshaun Morrell uh, is a super explosive kind of uh, you know change of pace guy for them I think he could grow into a good running back but he doesn't have much serious competition to uh, hold him back from being like a 20 plus touch guy per game so yeah uh, he's very much so in the uh, day two draft capital mix now and so yeah i think he's going to continue to build off this he started strong last year i think he's going to stay strong in year four and put up some silly numbers so yeah i'm all about believing in zach charbonnet at this point being a you know running back seven or eight in next year's class and that actually is not a knock on him that's a compliment considering how deep this class is and it's deep because you know a bunch of guys like tank bigsby uh, you know, their their deaths have been severely exaggerated because mm. <laughs> Tank, Tank Bigsby, with where he was being drafted this year versus last year, it's just no, I mean, it, it made no sense to me. Like, there was a dumpster fire on offense last year for Auburn, and it's still not great this year. But Tank Bigsby's like, hey, guys, I don't care. I'm just going to force 17 missed tackles in one game. Wow. Uh, and so- I, not, I had not heard <laughs> that number. That's crazy. Yeah. That's the highest number uh, on my, like I do my own thing. Like if I see something silly, I'll try to track it. I counted 14, not 17. I think pro football focus, they, I'll, I'll, you know, I don't ever want to throw anybody under the bus, but that was a little aggressive. <laughs> <That> was, 
<laughs> someone like, was trying to move some tank bigsby stock <laughs> i mean i don't know because it was just on the one run it's hard to even count how many tackles he forced there was one run where i'm pretty sure it was four or five uh you could seriously get up to that high on one run and so he's just really elusive he's got good enough size he's got great r- rushing ability speed uh, receiving ability it needs to get there a little bit more so this year than it uh, was last year but it was good enough so he has every bit of upside and had almost 150 yards from scrimmage against a weak opponent let's see him continue continue to do that against sec teams but man he's still very much in the early round two mix for me yeah i, I like it and um yeah we both have quite a bit uh tank bigsby in our c2c leagues and i and i, I agree i don't quite understand why people were so down on him he was he's an amazing talent <laughs> um I, yeah i think like you said it's uh it was a little bit a little bit quick to uh to, to write him off for those that did um raheem sanders is off to a nice start um again uh arkansas did not have did not get to start off their um their season with a cupcake cincinnati's a very good defense uh but he was still able to put up um almost 120 yards he had three receptions. Um, it looks like his sophomore year is right on the right track. And he could, you know, he, he won't be eligible at the end of this year. So he has to come back one more year. By the, by the time that's all said and done, he could have a very nice rushing profile. Oh, yeah. Hey, he's got crazy speed and burst and, and strength and balance for somebody who's 225 pounds. Uh, so he, he should be up there, uh, I think, for a lot of people in terms of a top three, top two even. Uh, he's not far behind. I know a lot of people are really set on Trevion Henderson, Braylon Allen, but Raheem Rocket Sanders should be right there for 2024 running backs, and, and especially after putting up his, the performance that he did and the workload that he's probably going to have all season long. I mean, seriously, 23 touches. You know, you know how many touches the second running back had? No, I'm not three. looking at that. It's three. <laughs> I love it. Three. Well, KJ Jefferson so, had more than that. Right, yeah. Sorry. So, yeah, <laughs> the team's running back too had way more than that. But he's going to run I a think, lot. I think, and we, we've talked, this is not news to anyone listening to this show, but having a mobile quarterback will increase your running back's efficiency. And uh, I, I, I love this backfield for uh, for Arkansas. I think it's going to be super yeah. fun. And Sam Pittman, uh, he loves building around that offensive line. Like, I don't know if any receivers are going to, I don't I don't know. Like, uh, I know we are hoping Hazelwood would become a thing. It might not. It might just be KJ and Raheem, and that'd be just fine for me. Yeah. Shout out to, I know we're not going to talk about tight ends, but before we get away from this, shout out to, to he's a local kid. He's from uh, uh, Murfreesboro, which is just less than a half hour from where I'm sitting right now. Um, Trey Knox, you know, he had that sweet PetSmart deal too, by the way, because he's got like an Instagram uh, presence because of his dog. And so <laughs> he's like a big time four-star recruit coming out of Southeast, of just, just Southeast of Nashville. And, uh, you know, he, he took his time to kind of break out, converted positions, added some weight. Now he's like 6'5", 250 pounds, and had two touchdowns for Arkansas this past week. And he was featured in my NFL prospects weekly because he, frankly, had like the second or third best tight end performance in the entire country uh, this past week. So that That's position, so cool. James, could actually end up getting him drafted. And he's already made a bunch of money off of his, um, you know, dog's Instagram account. So it's <laughs> so pretty amazing. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, you you mentioned that uh, he just owned the workload, Raheem Sanders. That is, um, I was concerned by Byron Car- Byron Cardwell's lack of involvement, 
um, from a snap count percentage. He didn't start. Yeah. I don't know what Oregon oh, was doing. They had running backs in there that, to me, I thought were fourth and fifth on the depth chart, and they're starting the game. Cardwell was by far the most efficient running back on the day. He had a few receptions as well, and you can see the talent there, but I just don't think he's going to get the opportunity to break out. Um, again, one game, Georgia, a lot could happen, but I was concerned at um, just by the, the amount of playtime he was getting. Yeah, Byron Cardwell for the for the Oregon Ducks, man. He was going like fifth, sixth, seventh round at some point uh, this this offseason, like super early in college to Canton fantasy football drafts. And now after you know seeing that gross split, I mean there were five guys, five running backs that had in between uh, four and seven touches. And I know they're just trying to make anything work, I guess, against George. Like, okay, that running back's not working. Let's try this one. That running back's but not that working. was part of the game plan. In the beginning, the first two drives, when they were only down seven and 14 points, they were still mm-hmm. rotating so many guys in. It was real weird. Yeah, man. I, I don't know what to think of that mess, but Cardwell certainly immediately sees a giant, giant knockdown on his stock. A uh, guy I was really high on, speaking of guys that are, are kind of falling down boards, or, eh, it's, it's, again, it's one week, one week, guys. But Tay McWilliams for Baylor. I really wanted him to be a thing, and he might be. Uh, Baylor uh, just wasn't super efficient on the ground this past week. Uh, he had 16 touches, which led the backfield by a lot. And so, yes, the, the I mean, it was clear that he was going to be the guy. He was going to be the leader of that backfield. And that's not going to change, I don't think. But for him to, you know, only have like just over four yards per touch, that, that's, 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 not, uh, that's not how you draw it up uh, for, for week one of uh, the supposed breakout season against Albany of all teams. Yeah. Like <laughs> the great Danes, by the way, the great Danes. Yeah, yeah. Sorry to disrespect. Yeah. I mean, that, that's an awesome, awesome mascot, by the way. But it, what's encouraging is he was actually really involved as a receiver too. So he was just in his snap count was, it was incredibly high uh, when they were, you know, when the game was remotely competitive. So it could be that he actually is more, instead of a 16 touch guy, he could be a, end up being like a 20 touch kind of guy when it's all said and done. So Tay McWilliams still uh, watching him and expecting good things, but if he doesn't improve his efficiency, he might lose some work and that's not a good way to improve your draft stock. Cause he is draft eligible next year. Uh, took a little bit of time to break out, but he's, he should be the guy. So let's, they let's do see have a success. talented back. They do have a talented backfield in Baylor. And I will say that Baylor BYU game, um, is probably one that I'm looking most forward to this weekend. I can't wait because I feel like we're going to learn a lot about both these teams. Oh, yeah. I mean, and last year, and where BYU had their success last week, and we can talk about Christopher Brooks here in a second, was on the ground. Like, they they averaged like eight and a half yards per carry or something crazy. And uh, that's not going to be the case against Baylor, who was a top 10 rush defense in terms of uh, stopping efficient runners uh, last year. So, I mean, they, they were really stout run defense. And so I don't, don't think that BYU is just going to be able to rely on that alone this week. And uh, they've got some questionable wide receiver health going on. So Jaron, Hel- Jaron Hall will probably have to do something, but Christopher Brooks had a really good game. Uh, he transferred over from California and uh, you know, they, they were just messing around with a, a mess of uh, running backs last year, da- Damian Moore, Christopher Brooks, and I think one other guy last year. And so he's just like, man, I'm out. Uh, he saw the opportunity, the vacancy left by Tyler Algier and said, hey, that's me. And he immediately filled that void. And Christopher Brooks is a name to put in the back pocket for you 
for uh, you know next year's draft or the year after because uh, he's probably going to put up some decent you know yardage on the ground for BYU as their clear runaway uh, you know lead back right now. Uh, but I don't know. Was was he somebody who's been on your rate radar at all? Because I actually had him rostered from a couple of years ago, even in C two C leagues. He he wasn't. Uh, he he popped up on my radar as I was doing research for some DFS stuff for last week, um, and I was like, oh, this is interesting. Um, but again, like you said, coming over from Cal, like he grad transferred um, over to BYU. Like he's a fifth year player, um, so he he was a he was around in two thousand eighteen. Um, so it was hard to know what to expect, um, but he looked really, really good um, to start the, the year. And I, I think he will likely see um, the bulk of the work out of that backfield, mm-hmm. which uh, we, we expect BYU to, to really have a, a pretty strong season. I know Matt with Spay um, has, the, has BYU ranked super, super high uh, or has them rated very high in his power rating. So, yeah, I think, I think it'll be interesting to see what he can do. Um, but, yeah. He'd been around for a while. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 what's crazy is I think because of how 2020 worked, even though he's a fifth year guy, he technically has a sixth year to use next year if he wants it. That's, so that is we'll see crazy. If he actually, yeah, I mean, that, oh, yeah. that's what we're going to see. We're going to see a few of those weird situations where the guys are like playing into their sixth year for the next uh, year or two um, just because of how things worked there uh, with, with 2020 eligibility. Uh, but before we get completely away from the running backs, um, you know, amidst that domination, one more time, just to remind you that your Oregon Ducks were basically destroyed and, and completely left for dead. Uh, Kenny McIntosh, uh, you know, oh, in, we're going to go we, here. <laughs> Thanks. We're going to go there. Yeah, because, you know, Georgia, when when they win 49 to three, uh, somebody's going to have some kind of stats. Right. Um, and the thing is, Georgia actually didn't do a, a ton of damage uh, on the ground, not as much as they they certainly could have um, against, you know, against uh, uh, Oregon. <laughs> I don't know why I was losing the name of the school I was just talking about, but I was. Uh, but Kenny McIntosh, it's it didn't kill everyone. It, yeah, yeah, they're basically, yeah, they're gone. But Kenny McIntosh did not do the work on the ground. But what he did do, uh, and which is what a lot of people were intrigued by uh, with uh, James Cook is he was a really explosive receiving threat out of the back backfield and actually caught nine balls for 117 yards uh, and was part of the reason why Stetson Bennett's uh, average depth of target was incredibly low it was because, you know, they were just finding Kenny Mac- McIntosh and he was breaking big plays. And so, you know, they, they went to uh, the wide receiving uh, wide receiver core uh, a lot as, as they got closer to the end zone, but McIntosh, you know, in his first, Game, 14 touches, 130 yard, 135 yards from scrimmage. Um, I wasn't super high on him coming into the year, uh, it, but I kind of have to be a little, a little bit now. Yeah, and this is something we've talked about with um, James Cook, for example, is, well, Georgia does weird things with their running back. So what do we expect? Well, what are we supposed to expect? And uh, it is hard because, like, McIntosh, you know, had a very good game through the air, but only five rushes. So uh, it's just tough. Um, Georgia backs are always kind of tough, but um, you do like to see the, the ones that start to um, get involved heavy and early in the season. That's, that's going to be a good thing. That's going to be something that um, translates because we've seen that um, we've seen that being a Georgia running back uh, translates anyway, even if you haven't gotten uh crazy uh, pr- pr- production in your career uh, because, yeah. you know, 
GMs and whoever is making those decisions, they've seen it before from Georgia. So there's a little bit of trust that goes with it, I think. Yep. Uh, even if that's not necessarily a good process, that's how things go. But uh, yeah. let's, let's wrap up the wide receiver position. How about that? And then uh, I think let's we'll, well, when the show ends, we'll have covered about 50 different players. So this is it's a lot of fun. Hopefully this is helpful for you guys. Listeners enjoy some of these names and, and dig into to some research here. Uh, but there were some really surprising names uh, to me that, uh, you know, I, I was familiar with. But in the way that they dominated, uh, I was really impressed just to come out fiery on all cylinders in week one. Uh, is Was there one or, or two guys to, to you that just stood out in, in a way that you just you knew that there was talent, but it was just like, wow, OK, you mean business this year. You want you want to get drafted. Yeah, I, I think yeah, one of the I, first guys that comes to mind for me uh, was Puka Nakua. And, and part part of it was because I was hoping slash expecting it because he was priced so low uh, in DFS that I was playing him everywhere. And I was, so I was waiting for that game to start and it kept being delayed. It kept being delayed. I was like, come on. And again, South Florida is not a good team. So what did we learn? I don't know. And he got banged up, which sucks. And he was a little banged up going into it and he's been banged up in, in fall camp. So the injury is a bit of a bummer because I think it could, uh, dampen what could be just an explosive start to the season. But I think he took his first touch, which was technically, I don't know if they've changed it. I haven't looked at his stats sheet um, recent, like since the weekend. But um, originally they called it a, a, a run. Um, but it was like a 75-yard touchdown. <laughs> like He just started off the season like, yes, here you go. Thank you very much for the boost of confidence. Uh, we're off and running. And uh, very excited about him. Uh, kind of in a similar vein with Zay Flowers. Um, I was excited to see what he would do uh, with Jerkovic back um, for Boston College, uh, having some competent quarterback play. And he also started off uh, his game in the season on the right note. I mean, he is that offense uh, when it comes to the passing game. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they can do with Garwo. He didn't look great last week. Um, but Zay Flowers and Pukunokua are two guys that I think weren't oft talk of, talking about, but uh, should probably get a little bit of attention thrown their way. Absolutely. And, you know, Nakua transferred over there and uh, it seems like he was heavily, heavily involved. Zay Flowers, uh, you know, everyone knew that he was the guy on that offense, but to see it come to fruition and and to really make it look like there was just not one beat missed between him and Phil Jerkovic after him missing a bunch of times. So last year, really encouraging. Uh, Flowers, to me, as a day two wide receiver, uh, he already has that profile. His adjusted production index already says, hey, I'm a, I'm, I'm a day two pick. Unless he really, really underwhelms athletically, which I don't think he will. He's not going to really wow in that regard, but unless he does something that's a huge red flag, he's a day two pick. Nakua, to could me, he, could he elevate himself to a first day pick? Zay Flowers, no. that is? Zay Flowers is not that kind of player. But, you know. I think a lot of people thought about thought that about Jahan Dotson a year ago, and and we ended up being wrong. But uh, I, I don't think he necessarily has that level of explosiveness that uh, somebody like Dotson uh, has. But he is going to have every opportunity to be the entirety of that that squad. And if he just owns really good defenses this year at some some point by himself, yeah, I think he you know could be a round two pick. But realistically, he profiles like a, a round three, really safe round three kind of projection. Uh, in in next year's class, Nakua has to do a little bit more. Has to really fill out fill out his resume uh, a little bit more for me to trust it. But he's starting to do it already. So I was really impressed there. 
I do and feel I, like he could kind of get lost in the draft, kind of like Khalil Shakir did this last year. Still gets drafted, but not quite maybe where he would have if he was on, like, not playing in the Mountain West or an independent or, you know, whatever. Right. Yeah, I, exactly. Um, if he had just played for a normal already in the Power 5 uh, school, I think that would change things a little bit. Uh, or if he had uh, a first-round quarterback throwing him the ball, uh, like he like they just had there recently with Zach Wilson. Uh, and Jaron Hall is not that. That might highlight his uh, profile a little bit more, but he's not really there. But I, one thing I'm always intrigued by is when a G5, a lower-level competition wide receiver, transfers up a level and then finds success anyway. And the one player that did that did that more impressively than anyone in the entire country this past week was Jacob Cowling, a former UTEP wide receiver, owned most of that receiving production, like 40% of the receiving production consistently there for them. Uh, transfers up, uh, you know, not very far up because it's Arizona, but, uh, and you know, they're, they're doing good things there, but had eight catches, 150 plus receiving yards and three scores in his first action playing for a power five team. Thanks much in part to the quarterback play of Jaden Delora, also a transfer uh, from Washington state over to Arizona, but man, he looks like the perfect kind of like, you know, what we used to think of as a, as a, an NFL slot wide receiver back when, you know, like the Randall Cobbs of the world were coming in. Like now, like we see all these big slot receivers and it's not just the small guy anymore. But I think Cowling could be a guy who lines up outside some and is primarily a slot receiver at the next level and gets better capital than we think because he's produced at every level and at, on every team when he's been asked to do so and should be the focal point of that team. I know, uh, you know, Tetaroa or Tetaro. I don't know. I've heard people say it different ways. The the highest rated Arizona recruit of all time, uh, McMillan, who actually caught a receiving touchdown and was impressive in his own right. He should work into some receiving yard market share this year, but that, that offense is Jacob Cowings. Yeah. And I think the fact that McMillan is there is probably uh, an asset to Cowing because it will give uh, Delora the option or at least having more good players on your team is, is good for you, even if you play the same position, especially when you're both on the field at the same time. Um, so I think it'll be really good for him. Um, another guy that I wanted to talk about uh, who we didn't get to see last week because um, they were a, a week zero game, but um, he, he took the step down. He went from Michigan State to UNLV, uh, but that's Ricky White, um, 6'1", 185, 90 pounds. Uh, but he just had an incredible game for, for UNLV. Uh, eight receptions, 180 yards, uh, two touchdowns. He was their passing offense pretty much. Actually, there was another UNLV guy that did pretty well too. But um, Ricky White looks like he could just dominate um, at the lower level. Do you think, though, that putting up numbers at a school like that will hinder him from getting decent capital? Because technically... Um, uh, he could come out after this year if he wanted to. Yeah, I, I think it could. Um, cause you know, but I'm not sure that it will. Like he's only actually played in what four career games. Uh, two yeah. of them were one catch performances. And then the other two were eight catch 182 yard plus performances. <laughs> like there's no, I know, it's crazy. Um, and he's really explosive. I don't think there's anybody in the entire mountain West who can guard him. And so I think he's going to have a silly, 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 like 1600 yard plus type season. And so that's going to be good enough to warrant serious consideration once you get to round three. 
Um, and even if he gets round four capital, I'm still going to be quite intrigued because he's an, he's kind of an, an, going to be an efficiency monster uh, and have a crazy, crazy peak profile when it's all said and done. So I really like that you brought him up, even though he was just a week zero guy, just a week zero guy. But I mean, he's <laughs> he's going to be really fun. Uh, so yeah, he's I, really, really I, I can I can see him uh, his name appearing in a few DFS articles <laughs> over the next few weeks. Uh, yeah, I, I'd say that that's definitely in the cards going to happen uh, very soon. Yeah, you know, we we spent a lot of time um, talking up. You know, we didn't know who. Exactly. And uh, the Alabama wide receiver core was going to go off this year. And maybe we still don't know who's going to go off because like, the starting offense was only in for half ish. Like they were already starting to rotate in a bunch of different guys, like halfway through the second quarter for Alabama. Um, and so their normal rotation, I, I don't think we still know what that looks like, but they played, they played a ton of different guys and maybe it was just a Freudian slip, but I spelled Trashon Holden trash on Holden on the show sheet on accident. Um, and it's funny. not that I think he's absolutely terrible. It just was incredibly surprising to me that Trashon Holden uh, was on the field so much and actually had five catches for Alabama. I know he was talked up some in camp, but to actually see it come to fruition and him almost look like the wide receiver one-ish uh, for Alabama was that that was just straight up weird because with all those talented wide receivers, all the pedigree surrounding him, and he's the guy that that looks like uh, opposite maybe Jermaine Burton that's gonna go off. Like both of them had seven targets, but Holden was more efficient and had two scores. It was just it was so so bizarre. Like because I mean Alabama at the end of the day was they were rotating seven guys at wide receiver. I really hope. <laughs> really hope they don't do that all season and, and it might just happen because they're probably going to blow out almost everybody but they were just rotating so much i don't know what to think yeah uh me neither and as someone who was telling everyone to buy uh harrell in the offseason the transfer from louisville now he was injured before the game but that concerns me too because now he may not play week two either and then all of a sudden You've given all these other seven, eight guys the opportunity to get some work ahead of you, and uh, you might not see the field until you're in like mop-up duty, and it doesn't really matter as much. So um, I don't know. I think it's Jermaine Burton and uh, smile and nod and guess. Like I don't know. It's like uh, pin the tail on the donkey or something like that. I just don't see it. Uh, I don't see it really hashing itself out anytime soon. But maybe by the end of the year, we have a better view. Um, but yeah, it's funny that like some of these guys that are producing are not these uh, crazy recruits that we've been talking about the last couple of years. Now, some of yeah. them have also moved out, but um, yeah, it's just, yeah. it's just, it's just interesting. Yeah, it really is because there's just so much that we've never seen in the history of college football, uh, at least the modern era, seen this much talent crammed into like one, two, three four rosters really like it's just all consolidated on these four teams and at, at the end of the day we, we know pretty confidently that multiple guys at that running back multiple guys at wide receiver are going to transfer out um and so i know they're trying to keep everyone happy but man there were five running backs that saw at least six snaps there were seven wide receivers that saw at least 10 snaps um and i know it was just because they were way ahead but man i i just i don't know what to think 
because I'm trying to like even remember like compare this to any other Nick Saban season and how he's using his wide receivers, and I can't find any. I, there's nothing. Like even when, even that year when they had the the 2017 class come in, they still had more proven options uh, ahead of Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs and Devontae Smith at, at the time. So man, I good luck. Like I, I, it's really frustrating if you drafted any of them early. Like Jermaine, Jermaine Burton, maybe he, he's the guy, but Jacory Brooks, man, he looks really kind of dead. Uh, so yeah. I don't I really, two targets, <laughs> I think. Yeah, so bad, so bad. So I, I will revisit this throughout the year because there's so much talent there. But right now, it's just more disappointing than just about anything in the entire country. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. on a more positive note, let's go back to. A guy I, I was really high on early on in the process, and I think he might be, thanks to the offense, working his way back into some draft capital. Jalen McMillan over at Washington. I know his teammate Rome, like one of the coolest first names in all of college football, of course. Uh, he's good too, but I, I really like Jalen McMillan. He grabbed a couple touchdowns, almost 100 receiving yards for Washington. They finally have a good quarterback. They finally have a good offensive system. And uh, he was a former top 100 overall wide receiver recruit. Um like overall, any position recruit in the entire country remind me very much of Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, so I think he profiles almost exactly like that. He's not going to have a perfect production profile, but his peak season this year could get him drafted much earlier than I think we uh, would have imagined coming into the year. Uh, do you have any thoughts on on McMillan or any of the wide receivers for Washington that now have new hope? Well, I, I think, yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see what DeBoer what his influence is on that team because a uh, wide receiver was not something that I was interested in uh, from Washington with uh, when, when Jimmy Lake was there. So I'm, I'm excited to see um, now again, Kent state. So what are they going to do when they, when they see the competition increase and uh, are they still able to throw the ball? Uh, I hope so. Um, I do like that Sam Heward is there as a, as a backup, just in case something happens. I'm, I think that will be fun once once that day is upon us, uh, we will rejoice because that'll be that'll also be uh, a good time. But yeah, um, I thought it was encouraging, um, more encouraging than uh, like the Oregon wide receiver room, for example. Which I still don't know if you're a don't listen to this because I love you all, but if you're a five star or four star uh, wide receiver, why are you even considering Oregon? Like they have no track record. It makes no sense. They keep getting yeah. good recruits like Troy Franklin. People were like. Troy Frank Franklin's the truth. We want, and he didn't do anything. Nope. Um, nope. So anyway, they've got yeah. a bunch of four mediocre four-star guys who all could be good, but they just there's not going to be enough volume, and it's going to be spread too thin. So it's uh it's not what I want. Um, but but someone that I did want to talk about uh, real quick, uh, Texas A&M and Ian Smith, um, kind of a converted running back uh, a couple of years ago. Um, is now um, just an absolute um, stud. He put up six receptions for 164 yards, and I think uh, a lot of that was, you know, just in the first half. They ended up winning 31 nothing against Sam Houston State. So again, uh, this week will be maybe a little bit more interesting. But even now, like we just saw App State get shredded by UNC. So um, I am playing a lot of Aeneas Smith in DFS this week. Um, but I, I just love him. I, I love what he brings. Like he's just so fast and elusive. He, he's smaller at five ten, but um, I think he could be. Uh, he'll have the production, I think, and I think he could be really exciting. Yeah, I think we, we all were um, 
not all, but many of us were higher on him even just a couple years ago. And then he kind of took a year off of being really productive. And so if he can get back to it this year, that would be super helpful for his uh, capital projections, most definitely. Back to, though, some disappointing guys, uh, entire wide receiver rooms, you know, like Maryland wide receivers. Such uh, a bummer. Such a bummer because Dante Demas is so good. Rakeem Jarrett is so good. Drops. Uh, They had a bunch of drops. Like, yeah, just. Until further notice, uh, any projection of early capital for any of them is a, is a definite nope right now. Um, I, I would potentially buy low because I believe in especially Dante Demas Jr. and Rakeem Jarrett. But, man, disappointing week one. We'll see how that goes. And then also TCU wide receivers, man. Like part of it was they basically just didn't have very many plays at all. I think, uh, uh, you know, they didn't even reach 50. No, they didn't even reach each. 60 offensive plays because they didn't have to <laughs> Colorado had, is so bad no seriously I mean they had 54 yeah, it was 54 total offensive plays that is TCU uh, and but we want Quentin Johnston to be this this big deal and even a couple of the guys behind him that are people are really high on like DJ Allen uh, and I'm really high on Jordan Hudson I have him in a couple spots as like a wide receiver of the future there uh, but I mean, when when you're a wide receiver and you only get 37 total snaps on the game, like Johnson did, and only three catches, uh, like Johnson did, I mean, it's I know no stats aren't everything, but uh, they do they do typically translate to some capital, at least have some kind of relationship there. So uh, Quentin Johnston still managed to have six targets <laughs> on their 54 total plays, uh, and so his receiving yard like target share. Uh, like out of their 23 pass attempts, like he had six of those go his way. Uh, it's just the quarterback plays is questionable. And um, I'm not sure what that is going to look like this year because he's never had a bunch of volume uh, there necessarily. So he's a huge body wide receiver. Uh, really, I mean, prototypical uh, alpha wide receiver of old. But man, that's kind of a scary situation uh, at this point. Uh, and before we talk about just a couple other uh, really positive notes to end on, because I definitely want to end on a positive note for the wide receivers, man, Keishawn Boutte and the LSU guys like that. Yeah. That uh, I mean, they, they kind they kind of covered it up at this point. This is common knowledge, but you know, they, they all had terrible games drops and uh, you know, I'm sure they got lit up on social media, but they scrubbed their accounts of any LSU affiliation. And uh, man, that's just a bad look. Uh, mm-hmm. Coming out of week yep. one, um, I, I'm still very high on Keishon Boutte's potential and his upside and his first round talent. But man, what are you doing with with that crew? Because like the whole 2024 eligible group that looked good last year, they're still probably really good. Uh, but Jaden Daniels might not be able to get the ball to them. And right. Keishon Boutte, I mean, it, even if he has a giant chunk of market share, again. His stats might not be uh, crazy out the wall. So does he just return, return to school? Does he transfer out? Is this a crazy overreaction because it's just one week? Uh, where are you with that, that uh, mess of LSU wide receivers? I'm hoping, I'm hoping we're overreacting. <laughs> I really am. Um, but I do think Jaden Daniels, well, he looked good on the ground. Um, you know, he had over a hundred yards rushing. He had a touchdown um, through the air that, didn't impress me all that much. So I do wonder uh, what that looks like. Is Florida state just very good? I, I don't know. I mean, it's too early for some of these, um, but it was concerning, especially some of the, 
uh, antics after the game. I, I just don't think that helps your draft capital much when you're uh, still in college. Now, once you've already been producing in the NFL, yeah, you can get away with a lot of a lot of stuff. But um, fewer the fewer the red flags, the bet the better, especially when you're only you know catching two balls for twenty yards. Yeah, but we've seen Boutte seriously like account yeah. for like. 40% of the offense by himself. And, and uh, I, and he was I, on what, pace for that anyway last year. That's my expectation. Maybe not that high of a number, but my expectation is that he still gets it together and better. there are better days ahead. I don't think you could even buy a low on Kayshawn. Yeah, we would need to see two more weeks like this, I think. Agreed. You know, I think we're a little tough. You know, it's a little tough on, on Jaden Daniels too because he still had um, decent numbers and, and suffered from, you know, three drops in week one. But... Um, you know, it didn't didn't look great. That wasn't the expectation for them going in. So keep an eye on them. See if you can actually fish around and, and buy low on somebody like Keishon Boutte. That's what I would do. But to wrap up the show, uh, just kind of lightning round here. I, I was really impressed by true freshman Luther Burden. Um, he wasn't efficient at all, but Missouri really wanted to get him the ball. I think they had six or seven touches for him on both the ground and through the air. He had one rushing touchdown, one receiving touchdown. Luther Burden could break out and be this year's Xavier Worthy, if it isn't Antonio Williams at Clemson, because Antonio Williams is already the best wide receiver on Clemson's team. But Luther Burden, man, like he is every bit the five-star talent, and they're treating him as such. Yeah, um, and he, like you said, he, he, I think he only had two receptions, but they targeted him six times. They handed the ball off to him numerous times. I, uh, I think they're going to try to get him involved and, and show what they have, and I'm excited for it. I wanted to ask you, uh, what um, after? you know, week zero and week one, who's your favorite uh, freshman wide receiver? Um, you just like, is it, is it burden right now? Like Stewart didn't burden. do much. It um, is burden because like when we look at the guys who have absolutely exploded in, in early on production, um, like right out of the gate for their teams, like you get to names like Xavier Worthy last year, uh, the year before that, Jordan Addison, a uh, year before that, you're talking about George Pickens um, and like Rondale Moore, guys that all, are expected to get top 50 ish kind of capital or better. Um, and so if you see this immediate true freshman breakout, the, the, the historical record says you're going to get early round capital. So Luther burden already looking like that's going to be the case. Antonio Does Williams Brady Cook already, already looking like that's Brady, going to be the case. Not having a great quarterback scare you at all for burden. Not really. Some of these other guys are talking about have really good. That out. Like Sam Horn will take over. Uh, he was like a pitching prospect on top of being a four-star quarterback. He'll take over if Cook stays as bad as he was this week eventually. And so, yeah, I'm not really worried because they're going to feed him the ball a ton. Like, I mean, you think about the quarterback situation for Texas last year and Xavier Worthy right. season. I mean, they, they couldn't figure out quarterback at all last year and Worthy still exploded. I'm not expecting that kind of year for him or Antonio Williams at Clemson, like I mentioned. But those two are probably my favorite, one and two, to have really incredible freshman years and uh, dominate and and fly up the draft boards for college to Kent league uh, drafts this year. Speaking of Clemson, I thought Bo Collins looked pretty good too. Oh yeah, he was okay. It makes sense. Like DJU like, and him played high school ball. So they have a connection dating back to them. Like they want each other to succeed. And so as long as DJ the guy, Bo Collins, whether he deserves it or not, is going to get some targets. And so, yeah, good good job for him. He's the only one that looked remotely competent whatsoever outside of Antonio Williams. And they, they kind of got, got creative just like Missouri got creative. Like they tried to find ways. Like they, they realized how good and how fast and how shifty Antonio Williams is. They kind of schemed him some touches too. 
Uh, so uh, yeah, I'm, you I'm, love seeing that I'm for a freshman, huh? You oh, love seeing that for a yeah. freshman. Hey, you're good enough that we need to get you the ball. Like you, you need the ball in your hands. And so for, you know, Antonio Williams to tie the lead in receptions in week one for Clemson and burden to, to have the week that he did huge, huge uptick for them. And just really verifying what we believe to have already known and, and that they are very, very good wide receivers and probably both project to be around uh, two or three wide receivers or maybe even better. But the other three names I just want to lightning around, like I said, Jaron Bradley, Texas Tech, talent was always there. A uh, huge body guy, uh, had like, uh, I think six catches, 100 plus yards, a couple scores, finally breaking out. Looks like he's going to be in the Eric Ezukanma role in that offense this year for them. Xavier Hutchinson had a huge game. I think he had, I think he had three touchdowns for Iowa State. Probably not going to have three touchdowns against Iowa this coming weekend, but Xavier Hutchinson, uh, Hutchinson already had great stats for them as the the wide receiver won, but he chose to go back to school. I think he could have an, a, a crazy productive season with Hunter Decker at the helm and actually get drafted much higher than I think uh, originally expected. So Xavier Hutchinson, Jaron Bradley, and then James Madison's Chris Thornton uh, had an, a, a three touchdown performance of his own. James Madison, of course, moving from FCS to FBS in the process of that uh, this season. And he was already their go-to guy last year. He's another, I, I, very similar to Jacob Cowling in that he's a, a smaller kind of slot projection for NFL purposes. But he's shifty enough and fast enough and productive enough that I think he gets drafted too. That's fun. He'll be available. I don't think anyone had him. <laughs> Especially nope. not in Debbie leagues. <laughs> so no, that's exactly. Good. Exactly. So, we, yeah, we just want to cover like, I think we covered about 50 different players or so in oh, this one show. And that's yeah. that's what we wanted to do. Like I, I I could you know build in a bunch of fluff and and more narrative stuff, I guess. But I think I'd rather just get through fifty players in a show with you, Stefan. So I know it's fun. And somehow through it all, we did not talk about Sean Tucker. So shout out to you, Sean. You'll be on many. You'll be mentioned on yeah, many you're other gonna shows. Show he's going to get like two thousand <laughs> yards of scrimmage. My goodness. But, yeah. Yeah. We would have been remiss not to mention his name. <laughs> so that's exactly. That's good, man. I can't wait, man. I'm so excited. We're, it's like 2 o'clock on Friday. I hope no one at work was listening to this. Um, we have UCF Louisville in just like a couple of hours. I'm so excited. Yep. It's going to be awesome. Well, thanks again for tuning in for another College to Canton podcast. We'll be back and forth between some college football goodness, NFL goodness as, as the season progresses. Have some mock drafts here soon, I'm sure, with Matt Wispay, a, 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 a regular on, on the podcast from time to time, too, I'm sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be back with more prospect analysis, college football, NFL, NFL draft stuff, and mock drafts, and a whole bunch of fun here soon. But till then, enjoy the kickoff of football season, and we'll talk to you all again soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. 
the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.